So if you have your Bibles with you today, I bet you can't guess where we're going to. Jonah, man, y'all are so smart. Go to the book of Jonah, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Jonah, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. And as you're turning to uh, Jonah, chapter 3, verse 1, one of my early (coughs) jobs during my career before I was a preacher was at a uh, engineering firm. And, and what this engineering firm did was they, they built substations, uh, electrical substations. And, and one of the things that, that, that I, I noticed is they would build these electrical substations. There, there were rules on how you built the substation. Like, it wasn't just about what's it look like or is it convenient or what the process is, but they would have all of these calculations. They would have numbers, right? And, and these numbers would represent the, the elements, okay? So, for example, uh, how high a wind the uh, structure had to be able to survive in that part of the country. And so even up north, like where they had a ton of snow, because they built substations up north too, they had numbers and calculations so that when they built the project, what would happen? It would withstand the disaster. It, w- it would survive. And, and, and the good thing, right, is people would still have electricity. And so we, we look at that and other areas of our life, and, and a lot of times, I mean, we don't even think about it. I mean, think about, for example, when you go over one of these massive bridges, guess what you want to have happened? Those people to build that thing right. Because if it goes down, guess what's going to happen? It's going down with you too, right? And so, so we think about this and we see that in all of these areas, right, of, of construction of bridges and skyscrapers and, and, and electrical substations, guess, guess what their, their approach is? They, they design for the disaster. They don't, they don't just build it and say, man, I, I really hope nothing bad happens. Or, you know, I, I, think, I think it's going to work out. You know, like, I think it's going to be put together, we'll duct tape it together, and when that wind comes through from that hurricane, it's going to be fine. That's, that's not how they think. And, and so, we know that, and that's common sense to us in the building world, but when it comes to our uh, relationship with God, when it comes to our life, sometimes we don't do that. We, we don't build and design for the disaster of sin in our life, because if, if we're honest, a lot of times we, we like to lie to ourselves, you know, and we like to say, you know, I'm not going to have a problem with this. Like, I'm not going to make that mistake again, you know. And so we get this mindset in our minds or sometimes in church, it's like, it, if we make a mistake. But let's be honest, right? Like, if all of us were truthful with ourselves, it's not, it's not if we're going to make a mistake. It's, it's when we're going to make a mistake, and so we have to know, how do you prepare for that? And some of that we can avoid, and some of that we can't. And, and we could probably testify of all of the disasters in our life where we did not build up our lives on, on Jesus and His Word and the decisions that He wanted us to make. And, and man, we could testify like, look, my life is a disaster, my marriage is a disaster, my family is a disaster. Or, or we may be somebody and like, we have everything. You know, we, we live in a nice house, we have a nice car, we have good kids, but we still feel empty because we're trying to replace Jesus 
with something else. And so everything might be cool with you today, but this is what's important, is that we know this, not for today when everything's okay, but for tomorrow when everything's not okay. And so if you would stand with me as we read the first couple of verses of, of Jonah 3. It says this, Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent, and Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. You might be seated. So, does anything sound familiar to you right here? Here's the thing. What is the first part of God's command to Jonah? The first part of God's command to Jonah is arise. And you know why God says arise? This is why He says arise. Like, I mean, I, I'm going to be truthful. Jonah, if, if I had had the time that Jonah had... You know how excited I would be to do something? No, I wouldn't be excited, right? I mean, I just spent the night in a, in a whale hotel, okay? Uh, and, you know, I've never been inside of a fish, but it's not, it's, it's not like the Marriott, okay? It's not a place you want to be. And so Jonah, man, he had been severely, severely beat down and pressed down by the thumb of God in discipline. And here's what God is essentially saying. This is a beautiful thing about God. God is saying, look, you, you have paid your dues. This is, this is now in the past. It's gone. And you can rise up and be the person that you need to be. You can rise up and go. And, and you know what? What does God say? Does God say, look, uh, Jonah, you didn't work out, so I'm going to find somebody else. He didn't say that. He said, look, I want you to rise up and, and I want you to go tell these people in Nineveh. Now, I want you to notice the attitude change in Jonah. Do you notice that? Before, what did Jonah do? He ran for the hills, okay? But God had cooked him in this well for a few days and it had changed Jonah's mind. But here's the important thing about, about Jonah that God was trying to convey is that Jonah had to get over his discipline. Like, he had to get over that valley of discipline experience to trust God again. And what God did not want to do is God did not want Jonah, even though he's free, he's out of the well, everything's okay, God didn't want Jonah to dwell on the well. He, he didn't want Jonah to dwell on that, that experience of discipline and suffering and difficult circumstances. Because, guess what that would cause? That would stop Jonah from being the prophet that God wanted him to be. And so, the thing is that God knew that if Jonah sat around and depressed, and, and if you ever think you have something to complain about, like, we can find stuff, okay? But Jonah, he, he could have come up with some complaints, right? About God's service. Because why? I mean, God threw him in the ocean, swallowed up by a fish, and didn't let him out till he repented. Think about that. 
And now here's the truth you also got to realize. You know what would happen if Jonah said, I, I don't think so. I don't want to go back. You know what God would have done? He would have raised that, that fish out of the water, jumped up, snatched Jonah one more time. Like that's, that's what would happen. God, God goes after His people. And so we find that the first important thing that we have to prepare for disaster is we have to leave the disaster of our discipline in the past. We have to leave it in the past. And, and the thing about God that is different than the enemy is that the enemy has this list of all our mistakes, all of our you know, things that are inside of our soul that maybe nobody else knows. Um, and here's what he wants to do with that. He wants to drive the dagger of regret into our hearts to tell us this is why you cannot move forward. You're not qualified. You don't have the ability. Uh, you're, you're damaged goods. That, that's what the enemy likes to do. He likes to create this mirage and this facade that, that God doesn't want to use you. That you're damaged. That, that there's no hope. And so his goal is to get us to dwell on our mistakes, our past, our regret, so that we do not choose to obey God's plan for our lives. And so we see that Jonah had to make that decision. right? And, and we look at, at our lives and we find a similar dynamic because every one of us in this room are, are sinners. Like we, We've made mistakes. We, we have a past. And a lot of times we dwell on that past so much when, when God has moved on. See, see, God convicts us, He forgives us, He redeems us, and then He uses us. And that's the beautiful thing about God. And, and so some of us this morning, like, we have been dwelling on our, you know, I guess you could call it fish experience the discipline of our disaster that God has put into our lives, when, when God has opened up the doors for a new season, a new opportunity. And, and so what we have to do is realize that sometimes it's not God that's, that's holding us back. It's just that the, the enemy is holding this against us, and we have taken hold of this lie, and we believe this lie, and we have allowed it to stop us from living a life of joy, you know, and, and, and there is nothing more beautiful than the fact that, you know, other people may remember our mistakes. I mean, it's, we're human. It's hard to forget, right? But, but God, He forgives it, He forgets it, and He moves on. And that's the beautiful part of it. And so this morning, that's what we have to ask ourselves. Are we dwelling on our past and our regret so much that it is stopping us from moving forward. And you think about what did God want for Jonah? God wanted great things for Jonah. He wanted to impact these people's lives and, and, and save a, a city. And, and the same is true for us. Like, you know, no matter who you are here today, right? That God has a plan, but we have to work the plan and we have to work that relationship with God. And we can't do that if we keep dwelling on what uh, we have been through. And so uh, Jonah goes. These people, you know what he was afraid of? He was scared to death, these people. Like, scared to death that they was going to kill him. Little prophet, Jonah. And so Jonah goes, and he goes through the whole city, right? And this was his sermon. This is his sermon, right? I mean, y'all would love this. I mean, you talk about love this, y'all would love this. His sermon was, 
Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And then they got out of the church. That's it. That's all it took. That was gone. But guess what happened? I did the job, right? Like, what, what do you have in that one sentence? You have uh, Nineveh? Here's the deal. God has been trying to get in touch with you, okay? And, and you're going you're gonna to suffer. And if you don't turn from your ways, guess what's going to happen? There's going to be destruction. Now, we see in verse 5, So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. The word came to the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, right? So what happened here? Because, you know, when you're going to talk somebody into something, you have to have something in common. You have to have a relationship. And, and Jonah didn't have a relationship. I mean, it, it would almost be like somebody coming into our lives from Asia or the Middle East and nothing in common. And Jonah, a little prophet Jonah, comes in here, tells them this little sermon they believe. And, and so if you do a little more research, there was a little bit more behind Jonah's sermon in the fact that God is sovereign. And that word sovereign, you know what that means? That means that He's in control. He works it out. He works people's heart. And see, in, in the hearts of Nineveh, before the sermon ever came to their ears, they were having these experiences in life, okay? And so historians have looked back and, and they have seen how the, the time that Jonah came and preached in Nineveh was a very vulnerable time for, for the city of Nineveh because they, they were being defeated. Uh, if you think about the glory days of, of a nation or the glory days of a, of a people, like that's not where they was at. They was like, they were like down there on the floor, okay? Like, like they, they didn't have no pride, none of the pride. Uh, and then on top of that, they have looked back in historians and they've had a, uh, a solar eclipse, right? And so, you know, we kind of know all the science behind all this stuff, but uh, if you can imagine, you was back in the day, you was a little Ninevite, you know, living your life, and then your nation's going downhill, and then the sun, the solar eclipse comes here, what's going to happen? You're going to be like, hey, <laughs> you know... Um, we, we have some, some issues to take care of. And then Jonah does what? Arrives on the scene. It's like, hmm, you got 40 days. That's it. And it's going to be gone. So we find that this message gets to the king. Now most messages, this is how they go. They go from the top to the bottom. That's, that's how that goes, right? But... This message went from the bottom to the top. It went from the people to the king. Now, everybody wants to... Here's a little secret in life. You know how many people want to be the boss? Everybody. Man, it's great for a little while. You know how many people would like to be king? I mean, we don't get that chance, okay? But we would all love to be king. And you know why you would love to be king? I mean, you just zap people. I mean, just zap them, throw them out, make rules, whatever you want to do. But what is, what's the downside to that if you're king, you're in the boss, and you're in charge, and you make the rules, you make the commandments, you make the laws, guess what happens? Well, if there's a problem, guess whose fault it was? Who birthed the problem? Who birthed the issue? Who caused the disaster? It's you. It's you, right? So, I'm sure... King of Nineveh, guess what? 
He knew things weren't going good. Like, them little Ninevites, they was gossiping about the king probably. I mean, we, people ain't changed. That's like, yeah, that old king in Nineveh, he ain't doing his job. We're going downhill. And then all of a sudden, Jonah comes in and says, hey, 40 days, y'all gone. And what does the king in Nineveh do? I mean, he breaks down. He breaks down because he was, all, he was already halfway broken. And, and he does something very important. He arose from his throne and laid aside his robe and covered himself with sackcloth and, and sat in ashes. Now, you know, you, you kind of read that and it doesn't really impress you. But this is a very rare instance because most people who have thrones don't give them up. And the king of Nineveh did this thing where he knew that it wasn't working. He was the cause of the disaster. You know, it, it was him. So we find this repentive action where he said, I have to get off the throne because I've been on the throne and look how things have been going. It's been horrible. And so not only does he get off the throne, but he takes off his robe. Okay? And like this probably wasn't like a bathrobe from Walmart. Okay? This is like top-notch, purple, royalty. Like, I mean, this is something top-notch. But, but he takes the robe off, right? And he strips himself of, of all power, of all prestige, of all glory. And, and then he covers himself with sackcloth and ashes, right? And so, so that was a symbol of, of mourning, right? And, and so here's the thing. Got, this, this king, he knew as long as he was on this throne, they were going to be destroyed. Disaster was going to happen. He could hold on to the power, the prestige, and the glory, but it, it wasn't going to work out. It wasn't going to make it. And so he does something that makes a difference. And so he's off his throne, lays him, and, and he himself, he doesn't hand down the command and say, look, y'all do this, but he sets the example, right? And, and so when we look at this, what, what, what do we find here? we find that this king sets the example for God to move in, in our lives. And, and a lot of times, we forget that, you know what, the disasters in our life are caused by a lot of different things. Okay? Sometimes they're caused by people with a name in our life. That's where they come from. Because we're all sinners, and sin affects everybody. So it could be that somebody else in our life makes a mistake, is living this sinful life, and, and we're like experiencing the shrapnel of a grenade that's going off. That's, that's part of the disasters in our life. And, and then we have these other disasters, right? And, and guess where they come from? That'll be us, right? Like we come up with the idea, you know, we got it going on, our, 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 our selfish hearts take control, and, and we get on the... The, the throne of our life. And, and here's the thing. Some of those disasters in our life, from, from our lies, from our lust, from our idolatry, from all this stuff, right? Where we give in to uh, that momentary temptation that causes a blast that, that destroys our life. And, and what we have to realize is this is the good news of the book of Jonah, right? God said, I'm going to punish you and you're going to be destroyed in 40 days. But guess what happens? They're not going to be. Why? Because the king got off his throne. Because people got off their, their high chair. And so, so we look at that in our lives, and if things are not going good, right? 
I mean, maybe in our relationship, things aren't going good. Maybe in our, our friends, maybe whatever it is in our life that is a disaster. It could be because somebody else, I'm not going to lie to you. But oftentimes in, in my life, guess, guess where the disaster is coming from? Matthew, right? I mean, that's hard to believe. I know it's hard to believe. But sometimes it comes from Matthew. And, and so we find that if we want to have relief from this disaster, it's not about well, what other people should do. You know, it's not about physically fixing it. Like the king didn't say, let's go get some army up. You know, we're going to fight the Lord. But it's doing the hard work of taking ourselves off the throne and putting God on the throne of our hearts. And what that looks like is we give Him control. And some of us, we, we kind of like to like ride the line here, okay? We like to, you notice he, he got off the throne and what else did He do? Took off His robe. So sometimes we like to take ourselves off the throne, but when we get off the throne, we kind of hold a little bit of power. And, and the thing about it is, it doesn't take but just a, a little crack <clears throat> for the enemy to get in. Just, just a little crack. If he can find a little crack inside, he can get in. You know, it's very similar to like, <clears throat> in West Monroe, we lived in this house. This kind of older house. And I don't know if you know this about older houses. But there's little holes. Okay? Little holes. And we no longer live there, so I can talk about this. But, you know... Critters get in the little holes, and it doesn't take much, you know. And and one of the things that I've learned in my life, if you see, if you're a husband, I'll just give you this advice: if if you're at your house and you see a critter, just don't say nothing. <laughs> Silence is is a good strategy, you know. And so I remember I was at, I was sitting there in the living room one time, and and I was watching TV late before Samantha got in for work and. And, and the, the front door was right here. The TV was right here. The recliner was right here. And I'm watching the TV. And all of a sudden, you know, um, this little mouse, he runs out from behind the, the TV stand. And he squeezes through the bottom of the door and goes outside. And I was like, I didn't see nothing. I didn't see nothing. Not saying nothing. Not going to tell nothing. Right? And, and so, I mean... And there's consequences when them critters are there. You've got to put your food up. It, it, it's, it's a mess. And, and it just takes a little crack, you know. And even though you're the one in charge of the house, you've got these little mice and critters running around driving you crazy. And, and the same thing with the enemy. All it takes is a little crack. That's all it takes. You know, and, and a lot of times it's not the big stuff. You know, it's not that, oh, you're in some big adulterous relationship or you murdered somebody. But it's just that, that small lie that... That, that snowballs, you know, or it's that uh, that disregard for for continuing to work on your relationship with God, you know, or it's that that loose mouth that we get sometimes that that, that has a little bit of taste for gossip or or whatever it may be, you know. If if we take care of these little cracks in our life, a lot of times we'll find that everything turns out better. And so the good news is when we put God on the throne of our hearts. It's very hard for the devil to break into our lives and break our hearts apart. It's very difficult. And a lot of times we can trace that disaster back to the moment where we took God off or we left Him on there and then we kind of held some of that control and, and, and that power. And so what we have to ask ourselves is, you know, what are the cracks 
in our life where the enemy can get in. And sometimes it's, you know, we like to walk the edge. Sometimes it's a little small thing that turns into a big thing. And so then, what happens when it gets to the king, right? It gets to the king. And you know what kings like to do? This is the coolest part. They can tell people what to do. So he needs a good proclamation. All right, so we're going to tell these people. So it says, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes. Here's the key. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God relented from the disaster that he has said. He would bring upon them. And he did not do it. Do you realize how amazing that is? Like God relented from destroying Nineveh. And it wasn't like they were great people. Okay? Like some of us would call this jailhouse religion. I mean, they got told they were going to be destroyed. They repented. They're like, God, we're sorry. God heard their heart. You know? So here's the key here. Do you notice what happened before the proclamation? The king's heart was affected before he made the proclamation about other people's heart. And so we have to realize that we have to leave an example before we set standards for other people. And so the king, he didn't just say, look, we need to do better. Because we all know we need to do better. I mean, we know that. And the king could have just went on with his life, done what he wanted to do, um, and have no consequences, but he didn't do that. He took off his, he got off his throne, he took off his robe, he got in sackcloth, and then he said, and then he set the standard for the people. And I imagine it's a lot easier to obey that proclamation when they saw the king doing it, when they saw somebody walking with them, right? And, and so we look at our lives today and and then we have those wishes, you know? Like, like we have them things, that the disasters that we wish would get better. And, and here's the thing. A lot of times we set standards for people. Uh, expectations for people. And you know how they take that? You know, you know how they take that? Almost as good as poking a grizzly bear. You know how much we love um, when people put their foot down and put expectations and standards on that. We generally hate it. I'm going to be honest, I hate it too. Okay, we all don't like it. But you know how much easier it is when you have somebody that's walking with you, that's giving you an example, that's showing you a picture of of how it should be? I mean, it it, it moves mountains, right? And so, uh, I would challenge us that what this tells us is that and what we're trying to, the life change that we're trying to get in other people's life has to happen in our life first before that difference occurs. And you know what the cool thing, this is the cool thing about it. 
We're not, we're not a king, so we can't tell people this is what you need to do. But once we begin working on ourselves, we, we can actually change ourselves. Like, like we can actually get closer to God on our own because we, we can only change ourselves and we can't change other people. But as we change ourselves, right? Like, guess what begins to happen? Other people begin to get uh, thirsty for that change. They, they, they begin to crave that, right? And, and so when they see that <coughs> success, they want that in our lives. So what you and I have to say is, man, what standards are we setting in our life for other people that we're not leaving an example for? That we're not showing the way? That we're not carrying them through the path? And, and so um, as we looked at the the basically repentance of, of all of Nineveh, you know, we, we've seen that, man, God gave Jonah a chance. God gave Nineveh a chance. God gave everybody a chance. But it was dependent on the response of their heart. And so you and I today, we have to ask us these three questions, right? Are, are we dwelling on the past so much that God can't use us for the future because we're stuck? And have we chosen to put God on the throne of our hearts? And is there cracks in our life that the enemy is, is, is getting to us through? And then also, have we set that example? And so, uh, as, as we have this invitation, the music plays though, we have to understand that none of the Christian life is possible without Christ. And so you and I have to make sure that Jesus is our Savior and Lord before we try to live a Christian life. And, and once we do that, He equips us to live the life that, that He's called us to do.